I trust vast poison, the stars to wink out, and you, my love, and you. We welcome you back to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. I'm Ethan Maestri. We're uh, here back again for episode number 36, Be All My Sins Remembered. I think we're going to have quite a bit to talk about on uh, this particular episode, Ethan. Hey, just, just a second, Ryan. Oh, okay. What's going on? Uh, I just got a text message here. Oh, okay. Well... Um, Oh, dang it. What's the matter? Oh, you look upset. Sucks. Oh, I just got a text message of a former uh, podcast uh, cohort of mine. Uh, he just died. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm real sorry to hear about that. Yeah, that's that's terrible news. I'll tell you what. I, di- I didn't even know that you, uh, you had any other podcast uh, partners. Oh, well, yeah. And this one's from quite a ways back. Let me just tell you about it. You know, I, I I was in between podcasts, and a friend of mine, this friend, he called okay, me wait. up. And- um, can you tell me this after? We, we kind of need to get along with the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, right. yeah. So, Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. Uh, we like to take each episode of Andromeda at a time, and uh, we watch it, we review it, and we break it down, see what we can pull out of it, and uh, what we can learn from it if there is anything to learn from them. This week, as I said before, we have uh, Be All My Sins Remembered. Uh, We're just a little over halfway through of Season 2. Yes, we are. So let's just go ahead and get right on with the the meat of the show, then. Do you have a chance to pull together any uh, fun facts and trivia for us? I do have some fun facts for this one. Uh, Yeah, in fact, uh, the title itself, Be All My Sins Remembered, is actually a line from Shakespeare's Hamlet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we have yet another sci-fi episode mirroring another famous sci-fi series w- w- that does a lot of Shakespearean uh, titles. So mm-hmm. we got another one here in, the, in Andromeda. I don't know what you mean by that. Okay, well, mm-hmm. moving on then. Okay. The episode, uh, this, a- uh, this episode is actually written by a good friend of ours, uh, of the show, uh, a great writer and wonderful person to talk to, Ethley Ann Vare. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, this was, was written by her, so it's good to see some more work by Ethley Ann Vare. Uh, we have three actors, uh, guest actors, for this episode. We have Costas Mandalore, and he plays Bobby. Now, this isn't Star Wars Mandalore or Mandalorians, so don't get the last okay. name confused there. All right. Um, but he does have very unique features, and you may have noticed that Brooklyn-esque draw that he has okay. in his voice. Um, all of that belies the fact that even though he's of Greek descent, he was born in Melbourne, Australia. Would you have guessed that? No. No. No, I did not yeah. know that. Born in Melbourne, Australia, he also has a brother, Lewis, that's in acting as well. Um, he has many TV and film credits from the early 80s down to today, but he's most famous for playing Hoffman in several of the Saw franchise movies. In fact, I think it was Saw's 4, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. So that's his claim to fame, really. 
But honestly, he's been in, in a lot of television and film. Not so much in the sci-fi, but uh, m- more in, in the mainstream television and obviously in horror movies as well. Two, we have Heather Hansen, and she plays Margot. Now, this is a Canadian actress, and she's had various roles in television since the mid-90s. Among her credits includes uh, appearances on Sliders, The Dresden Files, The Outer Limits, and of course, Stargate SG-1, which I think has had just about every Canadian actor or actress Hmm. on that series at some point due to its long run. And then we have Baron McKenzie, and he plays Lim. Now, you can count all of his film and TV credits on one hand. Literally, it starts with Andromeda, there's three in between, and it ends with Catwoman. Hmm. And I'm just going to let that lay right there. Okay. It ends with Catwoman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can make a joke about Catwoman in ending careers mm-hmm. all you want. Um, it did in okay. Baron McKenzie's case, at least for, for television. Okay. I was trying to be polite, because <laughs> okay. I, I, was, I was wanting to say, doesn't everything end with Catwoman? Catwoman, Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the low hanging fruit there. Sorry, uh, but uh, it, interesting though he he's gone on to have quite a proficient career in theater, so it, oh, his acting career has not ended. Okay, put it that way. Well, I mean, you know, maybe that the stage is really where he wants to be. Probably so. Yeah. And anyway, that's our uh, guest actors for this particular episode. That's all I got for for fun facts. Okay. All right. Well, do you have a, a summary for us? I certainly do. Okay, well, why don't you tell us what happens this week and be all my sins remembered? We begin with Becca and Tyr sparring in the gym. At least that's what we think all is happening. Dylan barges in and delivers a bit of bad news to Becca. The love of her life, Bobby Jensen, is dead on Cascada. She's been listed as the next of kin and needs to journey to the planet in order to identify the body. Becca makes efforts to pass on this grisly duty, but Dylan insists that she take tomorrow off and tend to her business. The Andromeda can finish its current disaster relief mission without her. On board the Maru, Becca is making final preparations when Trance offers to join her. Becca declines, insisting that she's over Bobby and doesn't need moral support. Dylan shows up with his rucksack and insists that he will be coming along. He essentially makes it in order, and Becca concedes. And Harper has decided to come along as well. Though not in any kind of noble capacity, he's simply there because he wants to see Bobby's corpse. And maybe even add a couple of more bullet holes to it as well. The Maru gets underway, leaving a brutish Tyr Anasazi in charge of Andromeda. It seems that this Bobby character elicits a lot of intense feelings in people, mostly of the hate variety. Harper shows Dylan a hologram of Bobby and tells Dylan that he wasn't the easiest fellow to get along with. The Maru exits Slipstream about this time into a minefield, and they are forced to stop. While waiting for help... Becca begins to give Dylan, and the rest of us, some needed backstory in the form of flashbacks. And basically the story goes like this. Bobby and Becca had the Maru all to themselves doing dubious cargo runs, all the while enjoying the privileges that such proximity together would imply. Long walks in the cargo hold, dinner together in the mess hall, staff meetings in the captain's quarters, wink wink, nudge nudge. I'm afraid I don't follow. Bobby tries to talk Becca into finding a cause like the one that he's found, helping the Magani rebel against greedy corporations and colonial oppressors. Becca declines. One job, though, takes them to Earth, and we learn that at this particular job, one Seamus Zelazny Harper comes aboard, and a whole lot of missiles for the Magani cause that Bobby has lied to Becca about. 
Once the truth comes out, and Becca realizes that Bobby has betrayed her, she kicks his hulking butt to the curb. Good times. Back in the present, something jars the ship, and all three of our crew wonder what or who is coming aboard. In through the hatch walks a cybernetic Bobby Jensen. Once the initial shock of Bobby's not being dead is passed, we realize that everyone would have been better off if he in fact was still dead. He's also not alone. He is accompanied by two cronies. Margot, sporting the latest from the Victoria's Secret in space line of lingerie, and Lim, a Magani that placed the ad in Mercenary Monthly that read, Have Gun, Will Waffle. These two set about doing crony stuff, while Bobby the Borg tries once again to convince Becca to join his cause. That being, death to greedy colonists and Magani freedom. Again, Becca declines. Having failed in his efforts to recruit Becca, Bobby sets the next phase of his plan into action, and has Dylan contact Andromeda in order to use its firepower to overthrow the colonists and set Bobby up as a friendly dictator over the Magani. While delivering the scripted message to Rami, Dylan uses an old special forces trick and blinks a code to Rami signaling that he is being held hostage and Andromeda should be ready to fire on the Maru. This is an order that Tyr would be more than happy to carry out. After Andromeda arrives on scene, Bobby realizes that the ship won't negotiate with him. He forces the issue by setting the Maru's AP tanks to overload, but not too fast. He gives them 20 minutes to contemplate the Maru's destruction with Dylan on board. Tyr considers their options. Let Dylan and everyone else die in an AP explosion, or let Dylan die in a missile explosion with Tyr holding the button. As Tyr weighs his options, Dylan works on his own plan for escape, using Lim's weak will in order to drive a wedge between Bobby's cohorts. He helps Lim to see that Bobby and Margot don't have the Magani's best interests at heart. When Becca and Margot square off to fight, Lim slips a key to Dylan so that he can escape. Becca gets the drop on Margot, and she drops to a low, lower level, breaking her neck in the process. Bobby confronts Becca, knocking her out of the fight, just as Dylan gets free. After an elaborate fight scene, Becca comes to, and while the villain monologues, she grabs a busted power cable and electrocutes Bobby 2.0. With the AP tank overload stopped and Andromeda standing guard, Dylan negotiates peace between the Magani and the colonists. The end. Great summary, Ethan. Uh, very to the point and succinct. Thank you. Um, I, I also got to give myself a little bit of credit on that summary. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because... You uttered the phrase, grisly duty. <laughs> yes, I did. And I did not interrupt you. <laughs> you didn't, did you? No. I, yeah. Yeah, I just let that slide. <laughs> Until now. Until now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You like that term, grisly duty? I do now. Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't know I did. You didn't know you did, <laughs> huh? Mm -hmm. All right. All right, so I, I, I have to ask. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to start it off. Okay. Bobby, Really? Yeah. That's who Becca is head over heels in love with. Right. Yeah. I mean... Dang it, Bobby! <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the running gag for the summary, wasn't it? Uh -huh. That's the part that no one else gets to hear. Right. <laughs> was uh, that every time you said the I name Bobby, to, if you not, started laughing? Not If not every one, then every other one. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a... I don't know... I'm male, and I'm, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm I'm a heterosexual. So I mean, looking at men isn't something that I do. What are you trying to say? I, I'm just I'm wondering though. Is he an attractive male? Because I, I, I don't know. I, I well, I mean, he's no tear. 
he's no Tyrannosauce. You're right. absolutely right. And frankly, he's he's no Dylan. That is true. He's probably better than Harper. Most are better than Harper, I would say. <laughs> I mean, he's he's got that uh, certain charisma about him. He's got he's got those chiseled Greek features in in the face. Honestly, though, uh, I don't know. I, I I have always thought Becca could do better. Just now that I've seen this episode. Well, I mean, now I'm just being if, opinionated. Yeah, so. but but okay. If if <laughs> if Elton John has taught us anything, it's lonely out in space. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, you just you just take whatever's floating around out there. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what came into the Maru. So oh well, that's just what I'm going to go with. All right, let's go with that then. Um, something that I think Tyr needs to learn, and I don't feel that this was properly addressed in this episode. What's that? This is just my personal feeling. Maybe I'm way off on this, and if I am, please let me know. Oh, I'll be happy to correct okay. you. Don't hang up on the captain. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. This should have been addressed. Mm-hmm. Because that is just, that is a flagrant, blatant disrespect. Oh, yeah. And and, and I'm, I'm surprised that there wasn't a third callback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. I'm surprised it ended just after two. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I, I did notice that as well. And we can't see what's going on on the other side of that phone call, you know. Right. Just, does, does Dylan just look at the rest of the crew on the There's, Maru and go, does just tear be in tear, you know? I, I, I so want to see a smashed console in the background <laughs> of the bridge of the Maru. I hate that guy! <laughs> just drives his fist right through a Why console. do we have him around? Yeah. Uh, so, I, something else I observed in one of the flashback sequences. Yeah. Which, aren't you proud of me for not saying flashback every time we had a flashback? Yeah, because I totally would have done that. Yeah. Um, what's wrong with Saturn 3,000 years from now? Um, Did you notice Saturn looked wonky? I didn't notice. You didn't? Okay. That it looked wonky. Because, okay, I'm going to show just my lack of experience here. I've never actually been to Saturn. Uh, you've looked at it through the eyepiece, though, in a telescope, right? Yeah. 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 You've seen pictures. I've seen pictures. Cassini's been up there for, what, almost 20 years now? Okay. He sent back a lot of pictures. We know what Saturn looks like. Yeah. What the CG shop that made this helped make this episode did mm-hmm. to Saturn, it wasn't Saturn. Okay. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going to have a, a, a ringed planet. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it Saturn. Well, it has but rings. We're, it's got to be Saturn. We're going to throw all this other stuff in the picture like a red dot, like on Jupiter and other these multicolored bands and stuff. It didn't look like Saturn. Hmm. But anyway, that's just me being uh, picky, I guess. Sure. Since you didn't care. Well, no, I did care, but not. I didn't catch that. Here's what I caught. This just seems strange to me, is that Earth is like a nothing planet, right? Yeah. Uh, the whole system, it's a nothing system. Yet Becca says... Let's go over to Saturn. Right. How does she know that's Saturn? Because they don't care anything about any of these systems, this, this planet, any of the planets in this she system. She could care less about the solar system, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how often do you see where they're uh, they're trying to make some sort of escape somewhere, and they like, oh, here's a, a Class C planet or whatever, you know, um, that we can hide behind? I, I don't know what... I know I know what a class M is. I don't know the rest of them. <laughs> um, 
But you know, there's like, hey, let's let's go hide behind this gas giant. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what Becca should have said there. Probably so. Right. And then and then Harper could have been like, Oh yeah, that's Saturn. <laughs> That's a good impression. Thank you. I like that. Uh, Yes, yes. And the other thing about this whole sequence that we're talking about, how fast is the Eureka Maru at fractions of the speed of light? Because in one scene, it's Earth and Moon in the view screen, and it's like two lines of dialogue later, and they're at Saturn. Mm -hmm. It was just instantaneous. And I'm thinking, the Maru at sublight... it's almost like it can get the, get there faster than slipstream. <laughs> Did that not seem like an incredibly short period of time? Well, I mean, it's it's TV time. Yeah. Probably, I know, I know. They I probably know. talked about a lot of other things that weren't important during that time. How long it's, does it take? It's, it should have been it should have been a couple of lines of dialogue and then Harper's like, "Well, going to be a minute. I'm going to go take a nap." Right. Well, okay, <laughs> Wait so me when we're there. You're the astronomer and the the physics buff here. Yeah, yeah. Um how long does it take for light to get from Earth to Saturn or no, vice it's, versa? It's many, many minutes. It's like 30 minutes. Okay. Roughly. I don't know that for sure. But it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long period of time. Okay. That's reasonable. Because yeah. I know that it takes like eight minutes for light to get from the sun to the Earth. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that seems reasonable. So, I mean, you what, know. Reasonable to pick on that? No, reasonable. Uh, that seems, 30 minutes seems a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I I see where you're going here. It's yeah. a 42 minute show. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to burn me on it. I I understand, but okay. I, I was just saying. You know, why not? I don't know. Okay. I kind of have a problem when shows do this when they just completely ignore physics. <laughs> I, I don't know that they did. I think they just parsed the scene. Okay. You know, they're just like, okay, here's all. Here's. I, I don't know. I, I would. I would. I would recommend. Yeah. Watching that scene again. Okay. And see if you're still comfortable. With 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 how physics takes a back seat to, you know, TV time. Okay, all right. I'm just that's I'm just leaving that out there. All right. Uh, are you uh, the, basically there were no cuts? Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like uh, you're leaving Earth mm-hmm. line Harper line back on line. Oh, we're at Saturn. Mm-hmm. It was just it felt like it was just instantaneous. Right. Maybe if they'd have stopped at Jupiter, it would have been more believable. Yeah, okay. but then it no rings to hide in, so that's what they had to do. Hmm. They had to hide in Saturn's rings. Well, couldn't they have hid in the asteroid belt? Yes, of course. Asteroids aren't like packed together, so right. Still, still kind of hard to hide. Well, in the if they get belt. really close to one, maybe go inside of it, like find a big open hole in one of the bigger asteroids. Yeah, just go down inside there. Hide and the Maru and then there. they could set off gravitic mines and destroy the Jedi that chase. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, totally different. Something else. Oh, oh okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, I I wasn't even thinking that. Hmm. But you know what? Since since you bring it up, I I was just wondering. Did did you notice Dylan's Jedi jump? Yes, <laughs> yes. When he comes out of the hole that he's yes. stuck in, man. Yeah. Talk about. The advantages of having a mother that's a heavy world. I know. I was like, nice jump, Qui-Gon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I did notice that. And then even even through the rest of that, that fight sequence, he had a lot of Jedi moves. Yes. Lots of flips. Yeah. And, and, and cartwheels the, the, and jumping the, off the wall. And, as I remember, yeah, there was a lot of horizontal hanging yeah. in space. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that going on there. 
And, and I know that Dylan's got moves. Yeah. He's a good fighter. He can take care of himself. Well, he plays basketball. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know that I've seen him make these kinds of moves before. This is the first time. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and I'm kind of... We're going to come back to this in, the, in conversation, okay. I think. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Something else I noticed in, in yet again in one of the action sequences. Who was flying the Maru in order to clear the jettison missiles yes. when Harper ejected them? Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, Bobby's standing there next to Harper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becca's holding a gun on Bobby. Mm-hmm. A- am I wrong? Was there a little maneuver there in order to move the Maru out of the way? a major maneuver. <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> um, it must be just part of the pre-programmed sequence that when you open the, the cargo bay doors, the Maru... Uh, it is a, uh, a smuggling ship, yeah. Right, they're used yeah. to kind of doing kind of underhanded, not so entirely legal things, right? Right. So they know that when they get rid of their load, they got to get out. So maybe that's it's just set up like okay, default setting is open the doors, fire and the jets, go. Yeah. yeah, and they were counting on that. I, okay, we'll have to accept that because yeah, otherwise there's <laughs> there's no otherwise level. this is just sketchy. Mm-hmm. And I guess another thing that we learned. If common sense doesn't already tell us this, don't ever touch another man's data port. Never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not smart. It's rude. People don't like it. Yep. Yep. Hands off. Mm-hmm. Just don't do it. Know your limits. Right. Boundaries. Right. Yeah, there you go. Personal space. Personal space. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, let's take a minute. Margo. Because <laughs> you knew this was going to come up, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I might have the same thing written down. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go here. Okay. Isn't it cold in space? <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. It seems like there would be more practical outfits for a space terrorist. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I would imagine so. Yeah. What, what, what were your thoughts on on the outfit? Um, You know what? I tried to not have any thoughts on the outfit. I'm a happily married man. Good man. Good yeah. man. So I am going to plead the fifth on this one. Okay. Well, I, okay. I didn't even notice what... I don't even know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, honestly, though, I, this reminds me, it, speaking of Ethley Ann Vare, you know, when we interviewed, one of the things she mentioned was one of the directions they wanted to... The Tribune wanted to take the show is they wanted to... Uh, using her quote, sex it up a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I really feel like this is one of those blatant attempts mm-hmm. to sex it up to the point of actually detracting <laughs> from the episode. Right. Uh, uh, you know, what man, what 20 something man, what 30 something or 40 something man doesn't mm-hmm. like an attractive woman being on screen. Mm-hmm. But when you dress her in space lingerie, um, at that point, it becomes not a sci-fi television series called Andromeda. It becomes, what, Barbarella? <laughs> and that's just wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like. Uh, you know, I understand what they're doing. I understand right. why it's there. Right. But honestly, this is a better story than that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, I'm off my soapbox Even now. so, if the outfit wasn't over the top, the camera angle was. Absolutely. And I mean that literally. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. No, I, I hardly agree with that, because that was something I noticed as well. Not only did they have her in that, but they tried to exploit those angles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not to get off the subject of Margot, but changing the subject concerning oh, Margo. Margo. Quickly. Uh, I'm sorry, did she say nuclear? Did she? She said nuclear. I totally missed that. I really thought you were going to catch that. I didn't. Yeah. I just, I, I took it. 
I I just took it mm-hmm. that that she's not smart. Well, and I think that's kind of what we come to find out. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I oh, I totally missed nuclear. Yeah. And when I wrote that point down, I didn't know that we were going to find out that she's not really not that bright. That bright. Yeah. Exactly. So at first I'm kind of making fun of the actor. <laughs> right. For saying nuclear. Yeah. But then I'm thinking, oh, maybe that was a writing thing. Yeah. Maybe, or a directing thing. Maybe so. Either way. It was say, you know, she delivered the first line, Aborigines with, with bow and, or uh, slingshots and bows and arrows, and, you know, they've got nuclear weapons. No, 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 no. <laughs> I got an idea. Let's say nuclear. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I'm gonna. I may have to go back and watch that scene. I did go back and watch that scene. Okay, because I heard that and I was like, "Did I hear that right?" I will, I will take your word for mm-hmm. that. Then, awesome. Uh, it's good to see that GoPro takes the next step <laughs> and begins actually making cybernetic implants mm-hmm. for human beings. I thought that's awesome. Yeah. So when you're shredding on your snowboard and you got your implant right there on the right side of your face, mm-hmm. yeah, awesome pictures. HD, full HD. 4K, 8K, whatever they've got 3,000 years from now. Right. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a lot bigger than that, I'm sure. You think so? <laughs> Probably. It, it'll be like beyond, it'll be like dog hearing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beyond what the human eye, eye can comprehend. Yeah. You know? It would, it's cool to have like some weird optic lens and a flashlight attached to the side of your head, but can Bobby not turn that thing off? <laughs> Apparently The not. ship is well lit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're in space. It's kind of dark, but there's lights. Everyone else is getting along just fine without a flashlight. Can he not turn that thing off? <laughs> He's probably wasting battery. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And it would be annoying trying to talk to him. You know, he's just shining the light in your eyes the whole time. Yeah. yeah speaking of the light shining in your eye, of course, I, I had to mention when we were talking earlier, I recently had, have watched Best of Both Worlds. The, uh, the TNG parts right. one and two. Right. Um, speaking of laser beams in the eye, you know, <laughs> uh, it's interesting that now I'm watching this episode and I still feel like I'm watching Best of Both Worlds. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because you said that and I noticed in your summary, you uh, you made reference to him being a, like a Borg. Yes, I did. And a time or two, the, the Borg thought did come to mind. But honestly, you know what my very first thought was when, well, he, when he stepped on the ship? What was that? I thought it was RoboCop. Oh, I totally missed that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is a RoboCop episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I can't believe I didn't see that. And, you know, I guess I, one last thing about, uh, one last observation about Bobby. I, if you're going to fight this guy the way he is right now, maybe not shoot him in the metal part. Yeah. Go for, go for some of the flesh. Right. <laughs> the fleshy areas. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. W- w- what if she shot him in the face? Yeah. Um, or the leg. Right. The leg. <laughs> One of them's exposed, I'm sure. Speaking of what if she shot him in the face, um, at the beginning of the episode, of course, you know, we have that whole scene with Tyr and Becca yeah. where there's something going on but there's nothing going on right, but there's right. something going on but there's nothing going on <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> no, I don't know if I read too much into this but when Dylan tells her that she was or that Bobby or that she was listed as Bobby's next of kin yeah the look on Tyr's face when he turns and says next of kin <laughs> Do you know what came to my mind instantly? What's that? Was Lloyd Christmas saying, Husband? 
What was all that one in a million talk? <laughs> Yet again, Jim Carrey reference movie. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But it made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, so, again, Bobby, at the end, as he's being electrocuted, he yells, Back And then falls mm-hmm. down dead, I assume. Was that a parody of Streetcar Named Desire? Yeah, maybe. You think so? Stella! Stella! <laughs> Okay. Did you did you see did you hear that? Uh, I didn't notice it until you just now did okay. that when okay. you were going back up. Yeah. I was like, oh, I see what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. And I guess just to to wrap up this observations segment, I want to talk about Becca just a little bit. Okay. A couple of things about Becca. Um, first of all, red hair and bangs. What did you think? No, you don't like it. No, I did not. Okay, I I, I think I'm used to her the way we normally see her. I, I will grant you, it did make her look younger. Yeah. And I think for that reason, not a good idea. You know what? I think it kind of gave her a little bit of a Bryce Dallas Howard look. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Ron Howard's daughter. Right. Okay. Yeah, recently from Jurassic World. Yeah. Right. Or The Village. Or The Village. <laughs> yeah, you forget about that yeah. one. So you don't like it? No. Okay. No. And I like redheads, but no. Okay. All right. Not a good look. I honestly didn't care for it as much. As the normal Becca that we see Yeah, now, I figured but, you wouldn't. Yeah. But then you haven't liked a lot of the things they've done with Becca here in the second season. I, I, I seem to remember us having a conversation about fashion or something that she was wearing. Really? I don't or really hair. remember most of those conversations. Well, it's a good thing they're on a podcast yeah. where we can go back and review them. Okay. I'll definitely have to do that. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, okay, another thing about about Becca. You know, we have the uh, the flashback. She's telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, she's telling us the whole conversation that she and Bobby are having, you know, about how the things she likes about him and what he likes about her. You just better not ever lie to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we cut back to real time, and Dylan says, it wasn't this bad, was it? <laughs> and then my question is, did she really tell that whole part of the story too? <laughs> like the full narration of all everything that everything we that saw, was going on, and yeah, like which uh, wasn't that quite a bit for <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I'm just wondering, couldn't she have just told the basically the gist of the conversation? Here's the conversation we had right while this, hanging in bed. This one time yeah. we had this conversation, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, we were on the Maru. Yeah. <laughs> Leave out certain details. That's all you need to know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right? Okay. I don't know. What it's... happens in the captain's quarters yeah. stays in the captain's quarters. Right. I just thought it was interesting to... Uh, yeah, I-, I guess if they're going to reenact it and they have to show it on screen, that's for us. Yeah. But when Dylan made that comment, it's like, okay, so she told them. <laughs> the full details. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't leave anything out. And you know, Dylan is kind of squeamish about that kind of stuff exactly. anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe that's why she did it. It's all making sense. She wanted to make Dylan feel uncomfortable. Make him squirm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Because she likes doing that. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're on to something. Okay. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on then. Um, what are some things that uh, you learned about this universe? Well, about the universe, there's a few things to parse from it. Okay. Uh, the Magani were introduced to a new race, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, toad people. Yeah. Essentially, they live in swamps. Um, not the brightest, but they're good snorkelers. <laughs> they're excellent snorkelers. Yeah, we did learn that, didn't <laughs> mm-hmm. we? Uh, yeah. So it, 
they're an interesting race. Mm-hmm. And it, I'll ask you this. Are we going to see them again? Are they going to figure into any further storytelling? I don't even hardly remember them from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Answers my question okay. then. Okay, excellent. But yeah, the Magani, another race out there. But honestly, at the end of the end of the story, it still doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of hope for Cascada. And that's Cascada be disappointing. I think we got a, a little bit um, a character that we have heard of before, mm-hmm. and we got just a little bit more discussion about him. Yeah, we still haven't seen him until now. No. Oh, oh, the other crew member, our old friend Vexbag. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I actually happen to know. Exactly what happened to Vexpag. And I knew that you know exactly what happened to Vexpag. Because <laughs> uh, I read books. Yeah, and I do not. There so, so I'm Pick just going to sponge off of your knowledge yeah, from okay. your reading of the books. Right. Uh, you know a little bit about Vexpag, don't you? Yes, I do. And how do you know this? Because I read a book. <laughs> okay. What book? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I read a book uh, called Destruction of Illusions by R.A. DeCandido. Mm-hmm. DeCandido. I know I'm messing up that name, but okay. anyway, yeah, Destruction of Illusions, in which they reveal, uh, it kind of, it's a prequel kind of book, uh, or prologue kind of book. It, it reveals what happens to Vexpag, and okay. it's ex- almost exactly what <laughs> what Harper describes there. He suffocates in a spacesuit, because he cuts a spacesuit open in a freak accident, hmm. uh, and, and that's how Vexpag meets his end. Wow. Yeah. Kind of like Bruce Willis in Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, not exactly. Okay. Uh, difference between uh, nuclear explosion and... Very <laughs> <laughs> easy what I did there. I see, yeah. Uh, and, and, and cutting cutting open on the... Well, it, it's funny because he cuts his suit open on the rusted hulking frame of the Yurikamaru oh. <laughs> while he's trying to repair it. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a dark... It's kind of a dark comedic joke, mm-hmm. you know. In the way that happens there. Okay. I was kind of going back and forth whether I wanted this to be in the earlier segment or for something that I really wanted to talk about. And I decided that this is actually something I, I really want to talk about, like, a little bit more seriously. Okay. Now, I don't want to take it super serious, but when when they cut all the power... Yes. What does all power mean? Like, life support? This is what I'm wondering. Yeah. They said cut all the power, and Harper's mm-hmm. like all of it. Yeah, um, and Harp and Dylan's like yeah, unless you want him to to be able to trace our electromagnetic whatevers yeah. that are you know sciency words that are going out there. Um, but yeah, I mean that did get me thinking though. What does that mean to shut down all of their power? Because from what we see in this scene, I don't believe they actually shut down all, all of the, the power. power. Right, because you can see them. <laughs> you can see them. Um, and I mean, are you sure? Maybe there's starlight coming in. Right. They got windows. Yeah. There, there's a couple of windows. Yeah. Even so, yeah, there's a problem with the lighting. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a problem with life support. Yeah. Um, I think that can be argued. Okay. That, you know, it basically it's a tin can, it's pressurized, and there's oxygen in it. All you did was just shut off the pumps. That are putting oxygen in. Right. You just keep breathing until all the oxygen runs out, which is right. going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Kind of like on... Uh, eh, never mind. Never mind. I don't want to talk about Firefly. Okay. I mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I get you. Okay. 
Out of gas. Great episode. Right. Okay, but so you basically, yeah, you just breathe until there's no more. Yeah. Okay. Now here's where I start to have a real problem. Okay. Um, is the artificial gravity not run on any kind of power? They're still sitting around, aren't they? Yeah. I think if they're going to completely shut down all power, all of a sudden, they're all weightless. Mm-hmm. You got to put them in harnesses mm-hmm. for TV purposes. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. hard to shut gravity off on a TV set, though. Well, I don't care. <laughs> that's if, what you want to see, by if God. That's what, if they're going to say, <laughs> shut down all power, except for the artificial gravity. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and obviously, that is what they did. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen them... In this series, they have messed with the artificial gravity before, but that was simply Rami ramping it way up and everybody falls to the floor. Right, yeah. Okay. The, the kid episode. Yeah. Way, way to bring that one up. Oh, sorry. Was, <laughs> I don't know if it was really that bad. It was. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just This is just kind of one of those things. It's just like, I'm, I'm not buying it. No, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to say shut down all the power, yeah, there's got to be consequences. Right. I mean, maybe if they had said shut down all non-essential systems yes. um, or something something along those lines, yeah. probably say it a little bit more uh, technical yeah. than I just did. But it, it, And I think, I think the problem we're encountering is we got so used to a series like Star Trek, I'm there, I said it, mm-hmm. where they do sort of pay attention to those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And they... They make sure that they, you know, spell out so that there's not a loophole to be exploited or or a mistake to be made. Right. Like it, slingshotting it, around the sun. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we can poke some holes in it. Okay. okay you okay. know, all right. I'll give you that. Okay. But yeah, here we have a series in which it's, they're not paying attention to the details mm-hmm. is, is the point that I'm trying to get at. Okay. And and you have so eloquently pointed point pointed you have so eloquently pointed pointedly pointed <laughs> pointed it out yes it kind of brings up a whole other thing though with artificial gravity mm-hmm. and maybe I'm just taking this way too far off now but it, what is the deal with artificial gravity in a spacecraft in space. Have you ever noticed on a lot of sci-fi shows when you're flying through space and then the spaceship goes, it flips and turns upside down, people go flying across the cabin, they they hit the walls and the ceiling and everything, as if gravity suddenly shifted from one side to the other, you know, like there's, there's G-forces. Yeah. But you have an artificial gravity. I, I don't know. I just um, maybe there's something to be said for inertia, but I don't know. I think the gravity stays honestly stays where it is. Honestly, you can't make a conversation out of this because because now you're going to that point where you're saying they've recorded this in a studio in Vancouver, and you can't see it any other way except they've recorded it in a studio in Vancouver. I thought they were somewhere around Saturn. <laughs> well, if you want to believe that, go mm. right ahead. Mm, okay. You know Santa's not real. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. But I, I'm just saying, yes, you can have a long, try to have a long technical conversation about this, but ultimately it's a studio in Vancouver and they can, they don't, they, you know, they know that you know that. Okay. 
And so they're just taking that for granted. And they're not going to tell, they're not going to give you a reason why when the ship moves, you know, the crew gets thrown around or something like that. Okay. Well, but you're picking on this show. Yeah. I'm picking on sci-fi, sci-fi in, general. in general. Yes. I mean, they do this all the time. Even the great mighty Star Trek did this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The ship turns upside down. Everyone falls to the ceiling. I, Dra- I don't know that that happened. Gravity did not change inside that that vessel. Right. I can understand, you know, being knocked from side to side, like they do in those great bridge shots where the, when the Romulan warbird shoots a a blaster or a blaster disruptor di- shoots a disruptor at the Enterprise, and everybody grabs onto their the chairs of their arms and they all rock from side to side. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. Yeah. I love that. That makes sense. But I've never seen, you know, when the Enterprise goes flying upside down, they don't all hit the ceiling. I don't recall a time when they've... Uh, or we're talking about Star Trek, dude. Yeah. <laughs> this is an Andromeda series okay. podcast. All right. This, but what, I'm, what I was getting ready to get at, this seems to happen more in smaller vessels. Okay. Like the Maru. Yeah. Maybe shuttles. Yeah. Things like that. Other alien spaceships that obviously are not as cool as the Enterprise. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I just think it's one of those classic sci-fi failings. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, and, and that's why I'm I'm kind of not engaging you in you're, this conversation. You're trying to let me get over it. Yeah. It's you're just gonna have to just gloss it over. Okay. I'll remember you said that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, something else we learned about our character. Honestly, uh, I appreciated the fact that with Becca, we we got to see why it is that she doesn't, and I'm doing quotes here, do causes. Mm. I thought that was a great point. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why is because the love of her life, Bobby Jensen, ruined her on that. And, and he called it. He called it. You either pick a cause or the cause picks you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened to Becca. The cause picked her. Yeah, it, it came to her and, and and sucked her in. Um, but you know when she says I don't do causes, well now we understand why. Mm-hmm. She got burned, or, or or at the very least the person that she was closest to burned her mm-hmm. in in uh, in order to pursue a cause that she didn't believe in. And I thought that was that was interesting. That's a good point, and something that is um, relevant and pertinent to this episode. I'm going to fall back again on something that's probably not, and probably one of these, uh, just these picking on sci-fi again. I don't know why. I'm, in, I'm just in this mood today. You're in this mood, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he sets the, uh, Bobby, he sets the AP tanks. Bobby? To, <laughs> Bobby sets the AP tanks to, uh, to breach. All right? So you think about... Um, so many of these great ships, and even some of the not-so-great ships that we see in sci-fi, they always have these very, I don't want to say very complicated, but definitely very detailed um, procedures for any type of self-destruct sequence. We've even seen this on the Andromeda. Uh, we've we've had a yes. self-destruct episode. Um. And there's there's orders, there's commands, there's codes involved, right? Yeah. 
well, why do you have to have all that when all you can do is just push a button to overload the AP tanks? Yeah, my thought on that is, is if you're on the Maru, don't just push buttons at random. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can set it off. Right. It's kind of like when you, you have somebody that's not real good at computers, like, I don't want to mess it up. What do you always say? Oh, you can't mess it up. Yeah. I bet Becca has never said that on the Maru. Is, 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 were there three buttons lined up there? One that said instant self-destruction, <laughs> 20-minute destruction, and one-hour destruction. Was that how that was set up on there? Yeah. Well, because it's a good thing they, they just pressed the one button for yeah. the 20 minutes. Okay, yeah. Because if you'd gotten the instant, well, yeah. the show would have been a whole lot shorter. Yeah. I'm not sure if it could be instant. Um how long does it take for for anti protons to overload? Well, by this episode, apparently twenty minutes. Okay, it probably dep- depends on the size of the tank. You're you're absolutely right. The yeah. injectors and yeah. whatnot and the interaction. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. Um, of all of the times that we've seen this happen on the Andromeda, because because AP tanks, man, they're a lot of trouble. They are a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, it is allowing you to travel through. Long distances, sure. So in very rapid speeds. So yeah, obviously they're going to be finicky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like the, especially with the Maru, they're mm-hmm. having a lot of problems with it. You don't see this much trouble though with the warp core. No, that's true. Yeah. So if anything, we've learned is slipstream technology maybe not as reliable. Yeah. As other technologies we've seen in other series. Mm-hmm. At least a little more dangerous. Yeah. One last thing that I want to discuss with you. Okay. At the very end of the episode, Becca says that she thinks that they took all of Bobby. They took all of hit Bobby. Dang it. It's coming out that way every time. Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> that she, she's afraid that they took all of his humanity when they gave him his new body. Yes. Uh, Dylan says, and I quote, no one can ever take that away from you. That being humanity. Mm-hmm. What did he mean by that? Because there were two different ways that I think you could take that. Okay, I'll say that again. She's concerned that he took that took away his humanity when they gave him his new body. No one can ever take that away from you. Uh, there were two different ways that I thought you could take that. One being, no, Becca, everything is fine. He was the guy that you knew and loved circumstances just got the better of him is could have been okay yeah I see or that. no becca that's the guy that he always was maybe you just didn't see it okay i i didn't see it both ways the way i saw it was the last one that you brought up okay that's the way he always was harper could see it yeah you know for, for all of harper's flaws i think he had a pretty good bead on who bobby jensen was mm-hmm. and and, and yeah, that second one that you mentioned, that's the one that rings a bell with me. Okay. That's that's the way I And I that's how you it. and that's how you took it. That's how I took it. When you heard it. Yeah. Okay. Because I actually took it the other way the first time, and then I'm thinking why would he say that? That doesn't really well, make a whole lot of sense. Now that you bring it up. Is it kind of like a a thing that's supposed to try to make her feel better, but really it's telling the truth? Yeah, because in the way that is, it means you don't get your humanity taken away from you, ripped from you. Mm-hmm. It's something that you would voluntarily give up, right. which that seems like an awful thing to say to a person when they're grieving. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. And that that's kind of why I thought I was like, because my first thought is, like I said, that he's trying to comfort her. Yeah. And so that's how I, I tried to take it the first time. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, 
It seems like I'm, a... I'm just not so sure that that's what he was saying. Yeah. And wow, what a terrible thing to say. It's kind of backhanded, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I, I don't see it that way. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just the way the way I see it is is him saying, um, you know, that's just that's just how he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the term? Love is blindness. Right. And and obviously Becca saw Bobby differently than other people that were on the crew. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think Dylan saw that as well, and was just he was just pointing that out. That's how I saw it. Good point, though. I mean, I mean, that's a that's a great way of looking at the other side of the story, though. I, w- I would not have taken it that way. I would not have thought of that on my own. Well, I'm just unusually insightful that way. <laughs> okay, uh, we got a quote to talk about real okay, quick. Okay, let's do that. This is from the Minstrel de Bekovex, Commonwealth Year 9905. Yeah. I personally am a big fan. Very good. You like a little of the Minstrel's music, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I I remember when uh, <laughs> I remember his first hit single. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be another Monty Python reference. Okay. But I was like, yeah, okay. yeah. <clears throat> so this particular minstrel sings, "I trust fast poison, the stars to wink out, and you, my love, and you." So what does that mean to you? Well, I I, I see that quote as being exactly what I talked about just a second ago. Love is blindness. Mm-hmm. Um. When you're in love, there are certain things that you see that you know are truth and that are accurate. Um, what's the first thing that they mentions there? Fast poison. Okay. Yeah. Kind of hard to argue with that. Okay. Uh, the, the stars to wink out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know, everyone knows that's going to happen. And you, my love. Yeah, I trust you. That to me is, is that, that love is blindness. It doesn't matter whether you can, if the person is actually trustworthy or not. If you're in love with that person, if you really are in love with that person, and maybe not true love, but that infatuation, mm-hmm. certainly, when you're infatuated with a son- with someone, it doesn't matter what they do, you're in love with them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I think the trap that, that Becca fell into. Yeah. But she was also able to get out of it. Yes. When she realized that he had lied to her. But it took, it took a... a, a we saw it. She said, don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. And he lied to her. Right. And we saw After that abject... she specifically asked her not to. <laughs> right. And, and so that abject betrayal had to happen before she finally woke up. And and she did. She did wake up from that, that level of infatuation. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, I think that's exactly why this quote is with this episode. And quite frankly, I have nothing further to add to it. Because that's exactly what I think. No further questions. Awesome. Um, so I guess... Um, <laughs> the state rests. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Yes. Um, be all my sins remembered. Uh, your final thoughts. What, what, are, what are your... Well, ultimately, when I get down to the end of this episode, I'm not going to remember any of the sins. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Okay. I'm not going to remember all the <laughs> sins. Because... I, this is a, I, I like this episode mm-hmm. for the fact that we get the backstory about Jensen, about how Harper gets aboard uh, Vexpag. You know, we get a little. If you didn't read the book, at least you know he suffocated. Right. You know, we get a little backstory into the history of what's happened on the Maru, and I think that's cool. The, 
I have a real problem with this episode in the, the fact that you have such a good story to tell and a lot of backstory to fill the rest of the, to fill the audience in on. And yet they try to make it an action episode and the action feels like it just got in the way, uh, especially in the, the final, what, 15 minutes or so. Um, it, the, the fight scene between Dylan and Bobby was, to me, it felt cheesy at times. Uh, the fight scene between Margot and Becca, it seemed felt cheesy at times. It, it, it felt cumbersome mm-hmm. and it felt like it got in the way of what really seemed like was a good story. And I would have, I, maybe it's my age talking here. Maybe I'm not the demographic that, that Tribune was after, but I felt like this would have been a great episode with less action and spinning things and explosions. There, that's, that's how I felt about it. Okay. I personally wasn't that distracted by the spinny things and the explosions. What did distract you? <laughs> you know what was was distracting me was I was trying to figure out what is Tyr and Rami doing on the ship because they're just sitting out there just waiting. Um, but they were supposed to be doing disaster relief. Yeah, but apparently Trance handled that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that that's a whole other thing with Trance. Yeah, it was like she just goes and does her thing, and we we never hear anything else about that. Um. You know, Tyr kind of has that moment where he he wants to look out for his self-interests only. Yeah. And then he very angrily decides to help Dylan. Yeah. But they don't really do anything to help Dylan. Right. They just wait <laughs> they for just Dylan to take care of the situation himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, Rami has that, see, Dylan did it. And she kind of has that uh, schoolgirl look in her eyes that we haven't seen for Told a while. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think this it, this episode was entertaining. I don't think it was all that important. Yeah, um, I would I would say I would have to put this as a pretty good middle of the road episode. Yeah, one of the things I didn't bring up in the fun facts trivia is one of the things that I came across is that it was rewritten many times. The script was, and I can only assume it was done so in order to get more action, in order to sex it up a little bit more. Um, and I think it I think the episode suffered because of so many rewrites happening to it hmm. is that it, it does it's it's got elements that are good in there but it seems disjointed and that's that's mm-hmm. now that now that i've read that thinking back to what i was thinking when i saw the episode yeah it, there were too many uh too many cooks in the kitchen maybe okay trying to put too many different things in there and it ultimately it was okay but yeah in the middle of the road it didn't some of the things just didn't make sense okay so i just want to ki- one last thing I should have brought it up in my observations, but it was the last thing I wrote down on the other page, so I'm just going to come back to it. (laughs) Okay. And it's just a quote. Harper, you're looking great. Bobby, smoking, just like my gun after a high rate of fire. (laughs) Ah, B-movie awesomeness right there. That was... I, that was some great... I changed my vote. This was a bad episode. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Shakespeare. (laughs) Uh, okay, well, anyway, that's what we think. Uh, we're interested to know what our listeners think. Not just about this episode, although we would like to hear, but about any episode we have done in the past, will do in the future, uh, or anything Andromeda-related. Let us know. Ethan, how could someone get a hold of us? Well, they can send us an email. And you can send that email to, to Podcast at gmail.com. 
We are on Podbean, our home, where you can find every episode that we have done to this point of Drive Back the Night. That is on andromedaseries.podbean.com. And if you listen to us on iTunes, certainly uh, subscribe to us, uh, give us a review or some stars. We would definitely appreciate that. We're on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, using the handle at AndromedaPod. We'd like to give a good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for giving us the opening quote of this episode. And we hope that you will join us again next time as we examine the episode, Dance of the Mayflies. 